Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit lifepointpb.com. Matthew chapter 6 is where we are, and we're not going to progress very far into Matthew 6 today. As a matter of fact, we're going to look at verse 9 and kind of stop right there. And I'm going to continue the story that I started last week and give you a little bit more of it. Um, But Matthew chapter 6, in verse 9, Jesus begins what we know as the Lord's Prayer, or really, probably more accurately, should be called the model prayer. It, uh, the Lord's Prayer really is in John, in John 17, and, or chapters there, even a few chapters before, especially in John 17, where he, right before he goes to the cross, and he's praying, and he's praying for his disciples, he's praying for us, he's praying, just a lot of things are happening there. That really is his prayer. This is a model prayer. Because he was asked by his disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. How do we pray? And he says, here's, here's a model. Here's a pattern for you. This is not supposed to be a mantra. We've talked about this. This is a model. It's something that, it's a pattern so that I can get an idea. It's not necessary that I recite it word for word. It's not a problem if I recite it word for word. But that was not the purpose that Jesus gave it. He said, I want you to see a pattern in this. And he begins the Lord's Prayer here in verse 9. He says, I want you to pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's how he starts. He directs our attention to the one to whom we're praying. Get our attention off of whatever. Because often when we're praying, we are very focused on something that's at this level. That's on earth. That's around us. That's affecting us. That's influencing us positively or negatively. Usually negatively. And, And so we're focused on that. So he says, I want the very first thing I want you to do is I want you to change your focus. Our Father is in heaven. I want you to see beyond what's happening right around you. I want you to change what you're looking at. This is, it reminds me of the story, and it's recorded in three of the Gospels. One of them is here in the book of Matthew over in chapter 14. When Jesus walks on the water, and you remember, we, we give Peter a hard time because Peter says, Lord, if it's you, ask me to come. And so Jesus said, come on, Peter. It's me, come on. So Peter starts walking on the water. That has got to be cool. I mean, really. I, you know, and if you're a fisherman, you spent your whole life on, on, the, on the sea. And all of a sudden, you're walking on top. You've been in the sea many, many times. I'm sure Peter's been in the water often, but he's never walked on it. So he's walking on it, but it's still stormy out, kind of like it is today. But it's stormy on the Sea of Galilee. The storm's still going on. And Peter stops looking at Jesus, and he starts looking at the waves. He looks at, the, at what's going on around him. Before we get too critical of Peter, how many times do we do the same thing? You know, I'd like to just jump on Peter. He's easy to pile on. But we do the same thing. We, we start looking at Jesus, and then I start looking at whatever's going on around me. And then I try to do the impossible and have one eye on Jesus and one eye on the thing. And that just isn't a pretty sight. You know, it just doesn't work. And so... Peter's a good illustration for us of what Jesus is trying to say right here. He says, when you begin to pray, take and turn your focus away from all of this stuff and look to the one who has the answer for everything, who is in charge of everything, and who loves you beyond your imagination. Turn and look at him. And so we begin our prayer that way. And he says, while you're doing it, to help you do this, 
I want you to begin to praise. I want you to begin to worship. I want you to, to acknowledge who, who I am, who God is. Because, and some have asked me before, do I pray to the Father? Do I pray to the Son? Do I pray to the Holy Spirit? My answer is yes. Yes. I pray to all of them. They're all God. And you say, well, I don't understand that. I don't understand all that either. Is that the only thing in life you don't understand? All right? There's a lot of stuff we don't understand, but we, I don't understand exactly how my computer works, but I use it. All right? I don't understand all of that. Some of you do. I don't. I don't. By the way, don't come up and give me a lesson. I don't care to. All right? I don't care to understand how it works. All right? Um, but I don't have to understand things to believe them, accept them. I don't understand how the Trinity works, but I do pray at times. I pray to my Father. I pray to Jesus, the Son. I pray to the Holy Spirit. I pray to them all. But he says, as you're, as you're focusing on God, let there be praise. Let there be worship. And I want to show you something, because when I say praise and worship, we tend to, if you've grown up in American church culture, just by default, we tend to think sing, singing, all right? What we do here on Sunday morning. Would you look with me at Second Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 20? This is a very familiar story, but I want you to see something in it that maybe that you missed. Second Chronicles chapter 20. And this is the story of King Jehoshaphat and the enemies coming against Israel and there's a great army and like happens so often in the Old Testament, Israel's about to be destroyed by a vastly superior army. And so there in Second Chronicles, King Jehoshaphat, he cries out to the Lord and he calls the people to cry out to the Lord and to worship. Amazing story if you want to read the rest of it. We're not going to focus on it this morning. But this tells you what happens, because they took, and the Lord instructed Jehoshaphat, he said, take the worshipers, take those who lead worship, the singers and players and um, the instrumentalists, all that, put them out in front of the army and send them out first, worshiping. <laughs> that, that, that sound came from a worship leader, that's where that, that's where that sound came from. All right, because I would imagine they felt the same way. It's like, wait a second, send those guys with the shields and the and the spears, and you know, send them out in front. Don't say, you know, what are you sending me out with my flute? I mean, come on. And but they send them out. All right, first, and it says they rose early in the morning. They went out into the wilderness of Tekoa, and when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, "Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem." He's talking to everybody. He says, believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. So everything that God said, trust him. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire. And they went before the army, and they say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise. Do you notice that? Sing and praise. Two separate words, two separate things. Here's the point I want you to see with this this morning. Singing can be praise, but praise doesn't always involve singing. All right? I want you to think about that with me for a minute. Because in our American church culture, we hear praise and worship and we think sing. And some of you automatically say, I can't go there because I can't sing. That's a whole other message for another day. I won't go there right now. But I want to cast down this false notion that praise and worship is singing only. It is, it does involve singing. Praise and worship can involve singing. You can sing and be involved in praise and worship, but you can praise and worship without singing. It's very important that you and I understand this. 
Because when the Lord says, I want you to begin, when you pray, I want you to begin with praise. I want you to begin with worship. It's very important that we understand this. Now, I told you 14 years ago, I began this journey. And the Lord really spoke to my heart when I cried out to him and said, Lord, I don't want to do this anymore. And I don't know how to do this. And the Lord began to work and and he began to speak to me. And one of the things he said to me immediately was, I want you to, to discover. I want you to go deeper in who I am because you have just a surface understanding of who I am. You haven't really experienced me. You know about me. You're like Job where it says, Job said, I knew about him after the hearing of the ear, but now I know him after the seeing of the eye. There's something more that I've discovered here about who God is, and it's gone deeper in me than ever before. And the Lord seemed to communicate to me This is what, and by the way, some of you say, when you say you hear God, I don't hear audible voices, okay? Um, I had that, you know, God doesn't speak to me that way. Um, but it's a prompting. It's a thought that comes to mind. It's a passage of scripture that he brings to mind. It's, it happened this week. I was, uh, Wednesday morning, we have prayer time with some pastors and early that morning I'm, I'm awake and it's like, and it was one of those mornings. I just didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to get up. I didn't want to pray. I didn't want to read. I didn't want to think about what needed to be done. What I really wanted to do was just be lazy, whatever that entailed. Anybody ever have those days? Just want to be lazy, right? Some of you had that this morning, but you came anyway. I'm grateful, all right? Thank you for doing that. Um, and so that's how I felt Wednesday morning. And, but I got up anyway because I have to come open the building, you know, because we meet up here. And, <laughs> and so I come, I, I'm here and all, but I'm talking to the Lord. It's like, Lord, I don't really want to do this. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like worshiping. I don't, I don't feel like doing anything, really, today, Lord. I just don't want to. And I'm just talking to him like that. And all of a sudden, a phrase pops into my head. It's actually the phrase from a song. And then the song began to play in my head. And it was simply this phrase, praise demands a sacrifice. Actually, the song is entitled, When Praise Demands a Sacrifice, I'll Worship Even Then. It's talking about David. David says, I will not offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. And so the Lord began to speak to me. So when I say that he speaks to me, I'm not talking about an audible voice. That's not how generally I hear the Lord in an audible voice. But it is strong. Ron Dunn used to say, it's not audible, it's louder than that. When God speaks, it's loud. He just, and he brings the right word at the right moment. And it can be a song like that. It can be a passage of scripture. It can be a word somebody else speaks. Sometimes it is one single word. For others, it's pictures. I'm a word person, all right? Words mean a lot to me, and the Lord normally speaks to me in words. But some of you are picture people, and so God gives you pictures. He gives you visions. He gives you, you see things. That happens to me rarely. I rarely see things. Most of the time, it's words that God uses, but he speaks, he communicates. One of the equipping classes that we're going to be doing with you is how do you hear God's voice? It's very important that you learn. You believe, first of all, that you're supposed to hear God's voice, and you'll learn how to do that, how to recognize it, and grow in that. Because all of the Christian life is dependent upon you and I growing and hearing his voice. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. How else do we get direction? Now, all of that's free. That's not even part of my sermon this morning, okay? So, here, but it's important. It's important that we hear God. Now, I was, I, I heard him as I was driving along, him just saying, Troy, I'm going to take you deeper. And one of the ways I want you to do this is I want you to pray. You need to pray more. Now, I had two problems with that. Number one, I didn't like to pray um, because, and I realize now why I didn't like to pray. 
I'm going to say this, and if you don't like to pray, it may be offensive, and I don't mean it to be, because it's true about me. It's probably true about you too, but I'm not saying that, but it was true about me. Um, Prayerlessness is a declaration of independence. That's what it is. You didn't like that, did you? No, I didn't like it. I I didn't like it either when the Lord told me, all right? Prayerlessness is a declaration of independence. It basically says, God, I don't need or want you. That's what it is. And I didn't. I wanted God to bless whatever it was I was doing. I wanted God to take me to heaven when I die. You know, I I wanted good stuff in this life, but I didn't really want him. I didn't want to be in a relationship. I didn't want to need him or anybody else. I didn't want that. And so prayerlessness is an indication of what's going on. And when Laura talked about this this morning, about pride, you know the problem with pride is everybody can see it but us. Everybody can see it but us. It's so deceptive that way. And I'll tell you who really sees it and who knows it because he knows everything, which is God. That's the reason he says he hates pride. Because it's a declaration of, God, I don't need you or want you. That was my first reason. The second reason is I had grown up praying. I'd grown up in church. I'd grown up in prayer meetings. I went to Wednesday night prayer meeting my whole life, and it was boring as snot, all right? It just was. It was bored. I was bored out of my mind. That's like, if I have to listen to Jack's back and Jane's toe and, you know, all, I mean, I'm just tired and we, and we take 45 minutes and everybody tell these stories about people you never met, never will meet, didn't really care to know about. And then, oh, we got to pray in the last five minutes, let's quick and go pray. And I had done this my whole life and I'm not belittling praying for needs, okay? That's a part of our prayer. And when it's happening to you, it's very important. But if it's not happening to you, it's really hard for us to be interested. Let's be honest. Am I lying? Is that true? If it's not happening to you or directing or, or hit something that's really personal to you, it's easy for you to think, oh, it's not that big a deal. And that was me. It's like, Lord, I don't want to pray. I don't like to pray, and I'm bored by it. And the Lord began to do something. It's like, Lord, if, you're, if, if I'm going to pray, you're going to have to do something because I can't. I mean, we were having prayer meeting in church up to, at that point. We did it on Wednesday night. There were faithful people who came. I led it. None of us wanted to be there. All right? I, I shouldn't say that. I don't know their heart. I didn't want to be there. All right? Most of us looked exhausted. We've been working. Most ran straight from work to come in because they wanted to be faithful. Didn't have time to eat. Didn't have time to do anything. Ran in there. We're tired. It's, it's hump day. It's the middle of the week. You know? And, you know, oh, let's pray. And I dreaded it. I did. I dreaded it. So I began to talk to the Lord. I was like, Lord, if we're going to pray, it's got to be, I'm like your disciples, teach me to pray because they saw something that caused them to say, I want that. They saw you do something. They saw you interacting with the Father in a way and said, we don't have that, but I want it. And I thought, Lord, I don't know what that is. I haven't seen it. I certainly haven't experienced it. And so we began to cry out. God did something for me at the time. He brought two books across my path during those days. The first one was a book by Jim Simbla called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. I had heard of the Brooklyn Tab because Lori and I had done music, been involved in music ministry for years, and I had heard of the Brooklyn Tab, knew some of their songs, didn't really know Jim Simbla, that he was the pastor of the Brooklyn Tab, had never read anything, didn't know anything about his heart, but this book came across my path. 
And I began to read it. And as I read it, the Lord began to speak to me because there was so much in there I could identify with. And so I was really challenged with that. As a matter of fact, about a year or so after that, I took a small group and went up to a pastor's conference at the Brooklyn Tab and began to experience it firsthand. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, what I saw in action that day changed me. I, I thought, Lord, I've never seen prayer like this. I've never seen the Spirit of God move. I've never, I've never encountered the presence of God like this. And they weren't doing anything extraordinary. It wasn't complicated. As a matter of fact, I couldn't, for the life of me, figure out why it worked. I really couldn't. But the Lord began to do something in my heart, my life. There was a second book that the Lord, about this time, brought across my path, and it was also really helpful in this journey. And this book was called Fresh Encounters by Daniel Henderson. And it also, I really identify with, because he talked about you know, the, the boring, sleepy prayer meetings and going through, you know, just everything being, and in his terminology, everything being request-based, prayer meeting being request-based. Everything is about what I'm asking God to do. Now, that is a part of praying, so don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. We are to ask God for things, but if that's the focus, if that's the drive, if that's all there is to our praying, it's going, in my opinion, it's going to get boring, and it's going to be very shallow. It, it did for me, and so much, so much so that I didn't want to do it. And then Daniel introduced this idea of what he called worship-based prayer. I thought, what is worship-based prayer? But I began to look at the Scripture, and the Scripture is full of it. As a matter of fact, if you go back and read in that story we were just looking at with Jehoshaphat and go back, you'll see as he begins talking to the Lord, there's worship at the beginning of that. If you go over, you could go to 1 Samuel chapter 2, and, just, and we're not turning to all these, you could just jot them down. 1 Samuel chapter 2. The story of Hannah. She's praising the Lord for giving her a child. And as she begins her prayer, she starts with worship and praise. If you go through the Psalms, David does it all over the place. As a matter of fact, there's a pattern in most of David's Psalms. He starts with praise, then he pours his heart out and tells the Lord how awful everything is, and then he comes back to praise. All right? So there's a pattern that's there over and over again. You get to the New Testament, the pattern is there as well. Acts chapter 4, Peter and John get arrested. The early church, okay, their leaders are gone, and they're praying, and as they begin to pray for them, you'll notice in chapter 4 how they start. They say, Lord, sovereign God, who's over all the world, and God, in your sovereignness, and your great wisdom, you caused David to write something, and you caused him to say, why do the, do the nations rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. And they took that scripture and applied it here and said, Lord, the people are raging against us. We're just following you, but they're raging against us. But you're the sovereign God. Would you do something about this? But they began in a place of just acknowledging who God is, of looking up. It wasn't, oh, Lord, Peter and John are in jail. What are we going to do? I mean, that was true. That he, they were in jail, and they didn't know what to do. But they began in a place of, God, we're going to turn our attention to you because you're bigger than all of this. That concept was revolutionary for me to begin to apply it, to walk it out. You'll see this as you go through. Look at the writings of the Apostle Paul. You can take every letter he wrote, almost without exception, at the beginning of each letter, he starts with a declaration of who Jesus is, who God is. I mean, you go to Romans, and he begins with how great God is, but, but man has, he's corrupted himself and turned his heart and won't have anything to do with it. 
You go to 1 Corinthians, and he begins there with the wisdom and power of God. 2 Corinthians, he begins with the God of all comfort. You go over into Galatians, there's praise at the beginning there. You get Ephesians, the whole first chapter talking about who, who Jesus is. Colossians, Colossians, the first chapter, Paul gets into that great dissertation on the preeminence of Christ. If you go through his epistles, this writing, you'll see this pattern over and over again. Declare who God is. Declare who Jesus is. Remind yourself of the truth about them. Remind yourself of the truth about what they've said about you. But praise and worship, and it doesn't have to be song, it can be song. But it can just be words. As a matter of fact, that's all song is. It's words put to music. That's all song is. I mean, how many of you have seen the movie Elf, the new Christmas classic, right? <laughs> and he's communicating to that girl. You can sing. Anybody can sing. You just move your voice up and down, and you know, you can sing. Everybody can sing. But that's all it is. Words put to music with a rhythm. Let me, all week long, the Lord has, the Holy Spirit kept saying to me, Troy, just be simple today. Just keep it simple. Keep it simple. That, that has been this overwhelming thing because I could go in a hundred directions right now. But I, I'm trying to listen and when the Lord says, just keep it simple. So I want to give you a couple of simple things practically. If you want to grow in this, if you believe you should grow in this, let me give you a few simple things, okay, that are going to help you. First of all, understand this that beginning with praise does something to self it does something to self and that's our problem we are selfish look at the person next to him and say you're selfish just go ahead tell them you're selfish all right okay look right back at him and say well you're selfish too all right okay you know why because the truth shall set you free all right it is the truth if you're a human being you're selfish Maybe not as bad as the person sitting next to you, okay, I realize. But you're selfish nonetheless. You are. I am. I'm big time selfish. I care about me, first and foremost, unless the Holy Spirit does a work. Unless he does a work, I care about me above all else. So going to the Lord, doing this, I realize why God set it up this way. He immediately comes at that selfishness, that pride, that, that self-centeredness, that life is all about me. He deals with it right off the bat. He says, here's how I want you to do that. I want you to focus on me. Get your eyes off of you. Focus on me. Then let me do what I want to in you. How do you do it? I begin to ask the Lord, Lord, how do I do this? The Lord began to give me several things. The first is you've got to feed your praise. Okay? You've got to feed it. You say, how do you feed your praise? What you take in, what you listen to, what you read, what you bring in through your senses is going to either give you material that feeds your praise or it's going to give you material to go some other direction. Okay? I have an iPod. Pastor Danny introduced me to one years and years ago. I didn't even know what an iPod was. And, and um, I have since fallen in love just because of all the stuff you can put on it and how handy it is and I have it with me and, and all of that. And... I have music on my iPod. One of the things on my iPod are music. Most of you probably do. I've got thousands of songs on my iPod. Um, how many of you, and this is just confession time, how many of you have some music that's not considered Christian? It's, you know, secular or whatever, but you, you enjoy it. Even listen to it from time to time. How many of you have that? All right. Most everybody has their hand. You bunch of heathen. All right. <laughs> All right. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
Um, and so I, uh, I do too. As a matter of fact, um, just a couple days ago, I was in the car with Elizabeth, and she was wanting, she was flipping through my iPod, and she goes, oh, I didn't know this was on here. I said, yeah, I put it on for one of you kids, and uh, it's on there, and she goes, can we? no, I don't like that. I, I don't want to listen to that, and she goes, well, can I listen to this, and so it brought back memories here several summers ago when I thought I would die if I had to hear that song one more time, because I put it on the iPod for the kids. Um, what is it called? Oh, it, uh, Walk the Moon, Where Are the Kids? Um, Shut Up and Dance. That was it. Shut Up and Dance. I just got to the point, all I wanted to say was shut up, all right? I forget the dance part. Just, I was so tired of hearing that. So, okay, it, it's, a, it's a fun song. It's a catchy sort of thing. There's stuff out there that's not Christian, and it's entertaining, okay? Not necessarily wicked or evil. Some of it can be, but not necessarily wicked or evil. It's just entertaining, okay? So this is not a crusade against music that's not Christian. But here's something I will tell you, and, and I discovered as I was walking this journey, if it's not meant for the purpose of worship, worshiping the Lord, it does not have the ability to feed your praise. It may be entertaining, nothing necessarily evil or wrong with it, but it cannot feed your praise. Shut up and dance has done nothing for my praise and worship, all right? <laughs> nothing. Okay? It just hasn't. And I could go through your iPod and I could, that won't do anything for your praise and worship, all right? It may be entertaining, you may enjoy it, and I'm not saying you can't listen to it, but I'm saying that if you want to grow in this, you've got to feed your praise. Most of the stuff you'll find on my iPod does just that. It's designed for the purpose of speaking truth about who God is and leading me into worship, causing me to recognize. Sometimes it's just scripture. That's the other thing that you can put on there. I have, if you go on my iPod, I've got songs, and then I also have God's word um, just being read. And you can have it today in any, any translation you want. You can have it be somber. You can have it with music behind it. You can have them dramatically acting it. I mean, you can have it any way you want on there. Um, I mean, my dad had James Earl Jones reading his. I mean, for you, when he was sick with cancer, he had it. So if, you, if it helps you to have Darth Vader reading the scripture, you know, you know, whatever. You can do that. It's not who's reading it. It's who wrote it that matters. It's who said it, who spoke it, and let it speak to you. Messages. I have, t- I have thousands of messages on my iPod. I have the old classic, by the way, because you put a lot of stuff on those old classics. And, you, and, and just, just listening to God's word being expounded. You know, what does it do? It causes me, when I come to pray, I have a, a deep well to pull from for my praise. Deep well. Songs, scripture, truth that's been preached. Sometimes the reason we find a difficult time praising is because we're not feeding our praise. We're not taking the time and building it so that when we need it, it's there. The Lord can use it. That song that came to me this past week, it's an old Arnell Harris song. When praise demands a sacrifice, I'll worship even then. But the Lord brought it out of the memory banks. Hadn't thought about it, hadn't listened to it probably in forever. But he brought it up. At that exact moment, he says, right now is one of those times where praise demands a sacrifice. And you begin to praise him. You've got to feed your praise. I'll give you another just simple thing. Hang out with people who do this, okay? Spend some time with people who praise. That's much better than hang out a lot with people who grumble and complain and murmur, all right? But hang out with people. Spend time with folks 
learn from them. One of the reasons that we do this together corporately is because we encourage and learn from one another. This is what you see. Do you realize that the word saint in the Bible, the, the Greek word, is only used in the, in the, in the singular? It, it, in other words, saint is used 60-something times in the New Testament. It's plural, like 61 times. One time in Philippians chapter 4 is it singular. Is it about an individual? All the rest, it's about a corporate group. Why? Because the Lord says, part of my design for you in teaching you how to do this is that you do it together. You do it together and you learn from one another. Oh, I have been so, my, my heart has been lifted. My spirit rejoices at times when I pray with brothers and sisters and I listen to them just praising the Lord and communing with the Lord. And it's like, oh God, yeah. And they'll say something, and the Holy Spirit will, yeah, that's what you need. You Grab onto that. You need that too. We learn from one another. We're encouraged by one another. This isn't a Lone Ranger sort of thing. It isn't a private sort of thing. It can be. There are private times. I'm not saying there aren't private times with the Lord. But I'm saying that there's a lot of this that I learn because I pray with other people. And then I would just tell you to practice your praise. I have a dear friend. We started walking this journey together years ago, and, and uh, he came to me, and he was very, probably more conservative than me, and I come from a very conservative background. And some of this was hard, just trying to learn how to be sensitive and praise and expressing, being expressive, even in my prayer. <laughs> and so he told me one day, he said, Troy, I've really been trying to do this, and he said, but I have a hard time, so I've been going out in the woods by myself, and just trying to be more expressive and, you know, declaring who God is and shouting and lift my hand or whatever. And he said, it's, it's still hard. I, but I just, I had to smile. And I appreciated so much his heart. His heart was, this is very uncomfortable for me. What was he doing? He was practicing his praise. He was taking time to go and say, Lord, I want you to take me beyond where I am at this place. And, he, and the Lord will do that. Every day, you and I should be praising the Lord multiple times throughout each day. It should become as natural to us as breathing. It's not most of the time, but it should be. That's what he wants to do. That just all kinds of stuff throughout the day cause me just spontaneously to break into praise. Lord, I thank you. You say, what do you mean when you say praise? And there are simple things. The Lord began to give me something years ago. I didn't even understand what he was doing. But when I was in Russia... We had to walk a lot when we were in Russia. We took the subway a lot of places, and sometimes you'd take buses. But even with that, there was a lot of time where you just walked between destinations. On average, we'd spend an hour, hour and a half every day walking to different places. And so as we were doing this, you got time, and you're walking usually with several people. And the Lord gave an idea one day. Why don't, while you're walking along, take and go through the alphabet and for each letter have names or character qualities of, of me, of who God is. So we'd start doing that. Start with A. You're Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. You're Almighty. You're the Anointed One. You're awesome. You know? I just, and God would just begin to get it. We'd do that for a while, and then it would kind of settle down. It's like, okay, let's do a new letter. Let's take B. You're the bread of life. You're the bright morning star. You're, I mean, just, you're beautiful. You know, all these different things. And then the Lord would take it a little deeper and say, now, why don't you begin to ask me to remind you of how I have been that to you? 
And so I'd say, Lord, have you been the bread of life to me? And then he'd say, you know, when you were so hungry here, not physically hungry, but you were desperate, and I fed you. I satisfied your soul. I gave you joy when you had none. I gave you peace when there was no reason to have peace. I'm the bread of life. And the only thing that you have to do for bread to do its, its work is eat it. That's all you got to do. Just take it in. You begin to go through these. It's tough. Some of the letters are harder than others, like X. Um, you know, so just don't get, don't get stopped there. Just skip over it, you know. It, it, he's excellent. It's new spelling, like new math, all right? Excellent, all right? God will begin to give you, if you want, God will begin to give you ideas and creativity. There's another book that really helped me, uh, another one by Daniel Henderson called Praising, P-R-A-Y-Z-I-N-G, Praising. Uh, It's a play on words. But it's just full of ideas as he's led prayer summits and things of creative ways. As you're reading through God's word and you read something there and it talks about, you know, he's loved me with an everlasting love. It's like, Lord, I thank you because you have loved me and fill in the blank. You've loved me doing that. You've loved me while you, when you did this. You loved me here. You, this is how you expressed love to me. And so you begin, it becomes work. And then songs come. And I know you may say you're not a singer, so don't sing them, just say them. But a song comes to your mind. By the way, if you're singing to the Lord and it sounds terrible, it's, the be- it's a beautiful sound to him. It is a beautiful sound to him. He doesn't care. He loves it. It's just like with your kids. You know, and they, they're doing something when they're little, and it's awful. But it's the greatest thing in the world to you, all right? It's the greatest thing. Praise him. Focus on him. When it's rough, when, when, it, when you feel least like praising him, that's when you need to praise him the most. Lord, I'm going to ask you to come play. And as she's coming, I want to say something else, and this is also strong. You're probably not going to like it any better than some of the previous things I've said. But fear and anxiety are never the will of God for you and me. Never. So when fear and anxiety hit, praise. Praise. Because fear is a spirit. And I'm not completely convinced that anxiety is not as well but i know there are emotions that work within us but scripture clearly says in first timothy that fear is a spirit he has not given us a spirit of fear how do you cause spirits to flee (laughs) jesus i declare praise what happened here in second chronicles why did they put the singers out front and the worshipers because it says God caused there to be this confusion among the enemy they ended up killing each other it's what worship does it's what praise does you know what it says in Romans Romans chapter 1 this is this is such a good reminder Romans chapter 1, 
verse 21. For although they knew God, they knew, who, they knew there was a God. They had knowledge about God. That's what he's saying. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. They didn't praise him or worship him. They didn't honor him. So what does it say? But they became futile in their thinking. The first result of not worshiping, not being a praiser or worshiping, is you become futile in your thinking. You don't think right. If you're, not, if you're not praising, you're not thinking right. And their foolish hearts were darkened. You say, well, wouldn't you be talking about lost people there? I think specifically, yes. But that same process happens in a believer if we live like an unbeliever. The same process. My thinking is, can a believer have their thinking messed up? Absolutely. Can your heart just seem dark? Even though you've been born again, your, heart, your heart's just dead. Your thinking's messed up, your heart's dead. Why? Because we would not honor God as God and thank Him. Folks, this is more important than you'll ever realize. And when you begin to see prayer primarily as a tool to praise, and then secondarily, is it a place to make requests and petition? But it's first and foremost a place where I can just see God for who he is and be drawn closer into relationship with him, to be changed in his presence. I begin to experience this firsthand, begin to lead a group of people to do this as a church. John tells me this all the time. I've probably shared this before. His favorite thing that we do together is pray. But we had to learn to walk through it. And sometimes we jump back into old patterns doing it old ways and heaviness would come again it's like oh we got the order wrong again now can I, can I give you one more little thing and then I'm going to wrap this up don't get so caught up in form and structure that you miss the heart let me tell you what I mean when I first began to learn this I wanted to start every time I talk to the Lord I want to start with praise but then I got to a point where sometimes I'm in the middle of something and I just need to really quickly send up a flare prayer. You know what a flare prayer is? You just, whoop, I just, Lord, right now I don't have time to stop or go to a closet or, you know, I don't have, I just send up a little flare prayer. I can't even close my eyes. I'm looking at somebody, but I need your wisdom. I need your help. So I send up a flare prayer. And then I got to think, wait a second, I didn't praise him first. Well, I don't have to stop in that moment. Thou great God, King of heaven. You know, I, I can send up a flare prayer. That's okay. So don't become legalistic in this thing. Don't get so caught up in form that you miss the heart of it. The heart is, God, I want to be worshiping you all the time so that when those flare prayer moments come along, I've already been worshiping you. I've already been praising you. We've already been there. And now I'm just crying out, God, I need wisdom. I need help. What, Lord, what, what do you want me to do in this? Folks, this will change your life. I promise you, it'll change your life. If you're willing, and you say, I just, I'm still not sure, I don't, then just hang out with some folks who have been practicing this a little while. Just see, just see what God does. Just kind of join in with them. I want you to stand with me.
want to ask my prayer partners if you'd come on to the front right now. We're going to close here in just a moment. But it would seem foolish to me to talk about prayer and then not give you the opportunity to pray. That would seem kind of counterproductive and just wrong. What's going on in your life? And it may be that you say, Troy, I have a hard time praising because I'm so caught up and what's going on in my life and how hard it is and how heavy it is and I'm, I, I'm just having a hard time let us pray with you about that too don't try to just will it to be so you go to the Lord say Lord I'm having a hard time doing this because quite honestly you know I'm, Lord I'm hurting this is a mess I'm scared I mean I'm frustrated I'm, I'm whatever we are I'm having a hard time doing this let us pray with you about that say God I want to be able to see you bigger and all this stuff around me. Help me do that. And I want to ask you again today, do you know Jesus? You know, all this thing about praying, you know, the prayer that that's so important for all of us is to be able to come and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I don't know you. I'm without you. And I need you. Would you save me? Would you change me? Would you make me yours? If you don't know him today, let us pray with you. I can't tell if that's the air conditioner or rain, but if it's raining, there's no place to go anyway. So just stay here. Just stay. Let us pray with you. Oh, Lord, you are so good. Lord, I thank you that you've made this promise that if we call on you, you answer. You made that promise. It's another indication of how good you are. Because I'm a dad, and sometimes people call on me, and I can't, either because I don't want to or I just physically am unable, I can't answer the call. But, Lord, you're never caught in that place. You always answer the call. You always are there. You're always listening. You're always caring. You're always involved. So, Lord, I cry out today. I cry out for those who are here and, and they're listening. And maybe they were like me. That prayer to them was something they didn't really want to do and they were bored by it when they did do it. God, I pray, as you did in my own heart, I pray, take them to a place they can't even imagine right now. Let them experience you. Help them. I don't know exactly what they need to hear from you, but you do. So speak to them. Speak to them. Lord, cause all of us to recognize that prayer really is the power. It is how you release your power at work in us and around us and through us and for us. So God, take that truth and just make it real to us. I pray, Lord, raise up more and more individuals just in small groups of people within the body, just praying, just crying out to you. And Lord, even more just spontaneous. Lord, in those places where we, where we organize together, where we have intercessors on Thursday, or Lord, where we have others praying at, at different times. Um, Lord, would you just do more of that? Would you stir more of that? Cause us, even as we were talking about earlier this morning, cause us 
We don't have to have a title or a group or a team to be able to see someone in need and just come alongside and care about them and pray for them. We can do that, Lord. Do that through us, Jesus. Cause us to get our focus on you, Lord, so that we recognize that prayer, Lord, change this American mentality that prayer needs to accomplish something. It needs to get results. If it doesn't get a certain result, well, then it wasn't effective. Lord, the primary result of prayer is that it connects me with you. And it always does that. Always. Everything else, Lord, is just bonus. Just bonus. So, Lord, take us as believers. Take us further than we've gone before. Take me further than I've gone. Lord, I thank you for what you've done, but I want more. I want to experience more. I want to taste and see that you are good. You said you are. I believe it, Lord. I believe it. So, Lord, today, move in your people as you see fit. Give us wisdom to hear from your Spirit, to be led to pray by your Spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name.